Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. I'm Tammy Brown, and together my husband Matt and I founded Sandals Church with the vision of helping people to be real with themselves, God, and others. Out of that vision came a personal burden to inspire and challenge women to cultivate kindness towards one another. My heart for Cultivate is to come alongside women so that we can grow spiritually wise, relationally kind, emotionally healthy, and connected in community. This podcast is my way of inviting you to join me for real conversations about what God's Word has to say and what it looks like for us, real women, to cultivate it into our everyday lives. Always keeping in mind that we might not be where we want to be, but if we pursue this, we won't be where we were. Well, hey, everybody. I am super excited to be joined and maybe a little intimidated, but by my husband, Matt Brown. What? You hope I'm intimidated? Yeah, you should be. (laughs) Anyhow, um, we're getting ready to head into a series in regards to the Enneagram. And so today, Matt and I are going to sort of unpack what the Enneagram is for everybody. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you might be familiar with parts of it. Um, We're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about why we feel like it is a great tool to help you be real with yourself, God, and others. So, Matt, why don't I start by asking you the question, how did you first become acquainted with the Enneagram? Yeah, so back in 2007, I was doing uh, my doctorate of ministry work at Talbot University, and I was in a soul care class, and somebody mentioned the Enneagram. So it was 13 years ago, and I quickly realized that this was something that I really needed to look at. And I think the mistake that I made first was I really wanted to learn about others. Mm. And then um, it wasn't until probably about five or six years ago that I really did the work and said, okay, I need to understand myself because I found myself experiencing the same level of frustration over and over again in some key areas of my life. And I, I honestly, you know, uh, didn't understand why I kept doing those things. And I'd never really unpacked my core motivations and my core desires mm-hmm. and really wrestled through why am I the way that I am? And then you and I went to uh, the counseling together where we looked at, you know, our childhood, how we were raised and how, you know, those coping mechanisms, things that worked for a certain period of time in your life don't work mm-hmm. as you grow in mm-hmm. life. And I went, ooh. So, yeah, so that's where it all started. So. Yeah, for us, <clears throat> it became a season where I was pretty burned out. And Matt said, before we quit our entire life, why don't we talk to somebody about it? And so we went to some counselors that were incredible. Rich and Jim, and, and the Enneagram is a tool. They're Christian counselors. They coach a lot of people in ministry. They got recommended to us. And so it, the Enneagram is one of the tools they use for that very reason, because I realized personally that so much of the frustration and wounding I had was like the same thing over and over and over again. And so when you first got introduced to the Enneagram, it was sort of this thing you did for school. Right. Like yeah. we, we didn't talk about it it was a real passive kind of conversation, a thing you did. And then when we went to this coaching, it's the first time I ever took the assessment and was like, oh, wow, this is why I keep having these same relational dynamics. This is why I keep having these same hangups that are to my detriment. And you just kind of said like coping mechanisms. One of the things the Enneagram has taught Matt and I is this idea that, um, there, there's the us that God made, right? So the, the person we're born into. Then you grow up and you become the person that your parents kind of made you to be based on who they are, your family of origin. 
from that, you sort of realize who you think you need to be to fit in, to feel safe, secure, loved. You kind of, you take who God made you, plus who your parents made you, plus now who your environments made you, who you felt like you needed to be to succeed in class or win friendships or self-protect based on wounding or trauma. And that kind of shapes us into this person that's a little off skew from that original person maybe God had made us. And so what the Enneagram has helped Matt and I do and so many people that we've worked with is to sort of begin to unpack those layers that we've had on and try to get back to the, the most original version of who God made us to be without all this other stuff. And so when you talk about the coping mechanisms, one of the examples I often use is like, I grew up in a small town in the mountains where in the winter time you had to wear this gigantic clothes to stay warm. Mm -hmm. I now live in Southern California. The things that I needed to take care of myself as a child, if I use them now, I would sweat to death and have heat stroke. And I need different things now because I've grown. I'm a different person. So we tend to figure out things we need to protect ourselves and care for ourselves when we're young that we don't necessarily, they don't work when we're older. If I wore a coat now in Riverside where it's a hundred on any given day, I'm not okay. So talk a little bit about why you think it's important for us to untangle some of those strategies that maybe once helped us when we were younger, but now are actually to our detriment. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as a, as a three, um, you know, the the achiever, the achiever or the entertainer, um, I would say that I was more the entertainer than the achiever. And, and the reason for that was I struggle with reading mightily. So I have a form of dyslexia, um, that's still bothers me to this day. Um, just recently in Hebrew class, I was super frustrated. I shared with you because I, I couldn't understand how to differentiate between the word sock and the word man. And uh, I asked my teacher, I'm like, how am I supposed to know when we're talking about a sock or a man in Hebrew? And all it was was my dyslexia. They, they weren't spelled the same thing. My, my brain was flipping it. And so, you know, it's like you can imagine as a kid growing up and studying your spelling words. And so I just didn't have academic success and so as a three where that's really important, I found other ways to be successful, being the class clown, being funny, um, you know, constantly trying to get attention by, you know, the way I looked or the way I dressed, right? Trying to find success in other ways. And so what that happened for me as I became an adult is, right, that's not depth. When you're constantly performing, you're never being authentic to who you are. And it mm-hmm. becomes a very, very lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't aware of myself or connected with myself because I was living a life to um, I would say to please others, but really it's to um, gain their attention so that I would feel pleased to myself. So the underlying emotion of the three is shame. So trying to cover my shame with making you laugh, making mm-hmm. you funny, uh, making you like me, or uh, you know, being popular was very, very important things to me, but I was miserable. And so I realized when I was older, I don't need everyone to be my friend, but I need a few friends. Um, I don't need to pretend to be something so people like me. I need a few friends that really like me for who I am. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just realized that being the person I was in elementary, uh, junior high and high school was very lonely mm-hmm. because I, nobody really knew me. Nobody really loved me. And so um, I needed to become more authentic to myself. And, and, and the, the underlying emotion, shame says, well, if you really knew me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like mm-hmm. me. So if you knew what was really going on or what I was feeling. And a lot of people feel that way. And so it's just saying, not excusing sin or saying it's okay for me to you know, not tell you the truth uh, because of three's core sin is lying. But to say, okay, I'm going to be brave and tell you the truth regardless of the consequence because the, the end goal, and, and for the three, 
it's changing what success is. Mm-hmm. Um, a successful relationship is not that you like me for who I'm not, but that you like me and love me for mm-hmm. who I actually mm-hmm. am. That's say, good. Okay, okay here, here's that. And so that's just what I would say is there were so many things I did as a kid. And as a three, you know, failures like my allergy. So when you can't spell or you, you, you struggle with reading, you struggle with writing, uh, academics becomes very, very challenging. It's why I think so many threes are, are drawn to, you know, the arts because they can kind of create their own roadmap and they don't have this system where, where they struggle to, to get through. And so, you know, a lot and of actors, yeah. you know, singers, you know, are going to be threes because that they can work on their craft um, outside of having to work through a system maybe that doesn't work with their mind. And so that's just what I would say is, is that it, it helped me. I've had to learn that I have to understand and embrace who I was. And I had a pretty good childhood. I mean, my mom and dad were were really great people. Mm-hmm. And I was so, so much more blessed than so many people, but I still lived in a broken world. Mm-hmm. I went to very, very poor high schools. Um, I went to a, a multi-ethnic um, school uh, where white people were not the majority, but we were, we were a part of a, a diverse group of individuals. It was a dangerous place. Uh, I grew up in schools where people got killed, people drowned, people died. Um, it was a violent place. And so I created these coping mechanisms that that served me well for a time, but did not serve me well as an adult. And so mm-hmm. I, ha- I had to let those go. And so many people just kind of, they just kind of keep doing the same thing. How do you feel like your Mr. Funny Guy strategy that you saved you as a child has um, fared in your marriage? Yeah, not good. I mean, you, you hate you hate teasing. You don't like joking. Um, you know, and I just have to be really careful with that and understanding that other personality types don't appreciate it and don't like it. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I just... What's the thing I always say to you before we go? To yeah, don't party? be too funny. Mr. Funny Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, yeah, I think for me, one of the strategies I did is I am a very high loyalist. That's the six on the Enneagram. Um, I want to feel safe and secure with people. And so one of the things that I've done is I would do things for people. I would serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, the two is the helper. Like I would really sort of weaponize the two, if you will, in me, because two is my second highest. It's very high. So I would help you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wash your kid, watch your kids, throw your baby shower, paint your house, invite you to dinner, do all the things for you, because that was my way of guaranteeing loyalty to me. Mm-hmm. And that strategy has just been so detrimental because that it's like a house of cards. There's mm-hmm. no real foundation. And when someone's like, thanks for all you did, but you're still not, you right. know, my priority, I would come crashing down. And so it has been so freeing for me to go, I created this strategy from when I was young to feel, because, you know, I had great parents, but I I did have a very unstable background. My dad was an alcoholic when I was young. My mom was trying to manage that and be our our financial security. Hmm. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, and, and I was put in some unfortunate situations where some sexual abuse happened. So everything felt unsafe to me and not secure. And so I would do things, you know, that developed in me like, Hey, if I am the big helper to everybody, then people will stay. And as I grew up, I'm like, that, that's not always the case. And my motives for helping were wrong and they didn't serve me well. They actually became what once served me well, became very detrimental to me. And so I think that's that's one of the things that Matt and I really love about the Enneagram, just as a tool to understand like, hey, what worked for you when you were young to protect you, to get you by, 
may not be serving you well now. Now, if you're our age, you know, in your 40s, 30s, 40s, we're not in our 30s. I'm in my 40s still. 50s, there's Matt. Um, And beyond, you know, you've probably been using some of these strategies for years and years and years. And that's a lot of unlayering to a pack. My hope for this series and for the book coming out, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, is that some of these, um, some of younger people, like I love that about watching our young adult kids right now is they're already starting to go, hey, here's how I'm made and here's what's important to me. And really trying to untangle the false self, you know, because our kids are a mix of mm-hmm. who God made them and then who and you and I needed them to be so that our family functioned and then their surroundings, their friends, that kind of stuff. Um, growing up in right. in the situation where they have thousands of people looking into their lives and making judgments one way or the other, like they they have their own layering they've done. And seeing them at such young ages try to already untangle that, I'm just, I'm so hopeful for this series for people to um, be able to go, hey, there's this tool that can connect you back to mm-hmm. the, the you that God made you to be and created before all these other layers got added on. And so speaking of that, let's, let's transition a little bit to just talk about what is the Enneagram. So let's start with the name Enneagram because it gets pretty controversial because it sounds like, we don't need to say it, it sounds like Mm -hmm. other names that are not good, but it really is just language. So can you unpack what Enneagram means? Yeah. So it doesn't mean pentagram, which is five. And so- um, Ennea is eight, gram is craft. Inia is nine. Nine, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Inia is nine. So hexagram <laughs> right, is six. So it's that's the Star of David. So I don't think anybody would say that that's demonic. Uh, but the hexagram is, you know, five. So, um, and oftentimes an upside down star. So you know, to kind of mock um, the other one. Mm-hmm. So it's just measuring, you know, nine points. And, and here's why I think it's important. It's nine points of connection in the way that we connect to each other. And the problem in the world today is is in how we connect. Every single person, you know, I mean, it's, it's literally at work, at home, with your kids, at church, it comes down to relational brokenness and we don't know how to connect. Mm-hmm. And so what the Enneagram gives is nine points. So Enea meaning nine, gram meaning like, um, it, we have it in the word Instagram, we have it in the word telegram. And so what it means People aren't is, against Instagram because it has the yeah, word it's, it. it's information that, that is written down on a page. So uh, that's where we get our English word grammar. Mm-hmm. So grammar is is things written down on a page. Um, it's just uh, graphic. You see the mm-hmm. same the same word there uh, in English. And so what it means is nine points on a piece of paper that can help me figure out how I connect. Nobody is a nine, an eight, a three, a four. You are you. But this mm-hmm. will begin. It's important. This will begin a roadmap to say, okay, here's where I typically land, mm-hmm. and here are the numbers that I find myself being influenced by. And it will help me to relate to others. And so, um, you know, you and I, our struggle when we went to counseling, really what it came down to, it's, you know, what's so sad is, you know, you were wondering and questioning, you know, is, is ministry for you? It really came down to, unfortunately, a relationship with one couple in our church that we disagreed on how to navigate. And I mean, if you think about that, Sandals is thousands and thousands of couples. There's one couple, and that's how powerful relationships can be for mm-hmm. your benefit mm-hmm. or for your, you know, just the evil thorn in your flesh. Mm-hmm. And we weren't in agreement with how to address it because as a three, I'm looking for the most successful route out. You're looking for the safest route out. And oftentimes, right, the three for success overlooks the sins of others. And the six just wants to run away 
and be done because it's scary. Mm-hmm. And so we had to learn how to, okay, how do we talk about this? How do we handle this situation with people that we loved, people that we cared for? And, and unfortunately, like relationships do, you know, they blow up and, mm-hmm. you know, um, well, because, you know, I mean, that's a great story, but all four of our coping systems were different. Right. You know, my strategy was let's get in there. Let's get to the truth. Let's let's, let's attack, let's, the let's truth, attack yeah. this thing. Let that way we're good and secure and we've dealt it all out. You know, that wasn't everybody's things. Other people were like, I, I don't want conflict. I can't handle conflict. I'm going to avoid this. Well, when I'm attacking and they're avoiding, like it's, it's hard. You, you, you miss each other. And so it really is that. But for, you know, for the sake of everyone who are new to this, basically it's nine different styles of personality to help you. And this is, this is really common Enneagram ling- language throughout mm-hmm. the Enneagram literature and studying practice. But um, the way we were taught it in a few different, by a few different people, our coaches and my coaching certification class I took is what the Enneagram does that, that it does is it helps you go, how do you perceive the world around you? Mm-hmm. For me, I'm a loyalist. I'm a six. A, a new language that's coming out about the six, the loyalists, a new name for that, that people are starting to refer to, which I actually think is the best name there is, is guardian. Like we're guardians of safety, guardians of the truth. Um, but for me, like figuring out how much fear I deal with all the time. And like, I don't understand how you're like never afraid. Like I, you know, I, I mean, what we're afraid of is different. I should say, I'm thinking in the physical, like I would be like, are the doors locked? You're like, I don't know. I'm tired. I'm like, Lord, how could you yeah. sleep if all the doors aren't locked? You know? And, and vice versa for you. Like I will, when I'm super unhealthy, I will feel uh, afraid to do something. And you're like, how could you pass up that opportunity right. for fun or success or a win? And I'm like, well, I'm scared. I won't be good. or I won't do good or something wrong will happen. And we were just missing each other so much and our coping. And so for us, I think for me, you know, I mean, I know we would both say this, that it's been so good to go, oh, we actually don't think anything alike. Right. And so there's nine different styles of the way that people perceive the world around them. Then it's, what do I do with that, right? We're taking in the world around us. You and I are such, I mean, everybody's this way, but we live together. So mm-hmm. we process things so differently. Right. My first filter that I process through is, are we all going to die? <laughs> is this relationship ending? Are we safe? Yours is, well, how would you say your first, you, you, you take in a situation, you perceive it, then how do you, your first thing of process is what's the win? Yeah, what, where's the win? Where's the win in this? Mm-hmm. And then um, how do we perceive, process, and then present, present ourselves yeah. to the world? I, I will not present myself to the world. I'd rather hide and be safe. Mm-hmm. You want to always present yourself where it you seem successful. And so how how do we figure that out? You know, and so that's why it's so interesting because um the way that we all perceive process present does come from a different place. Mm-hmm. And so I love how you said you're not you're not just a number. You're not just a style. We're we're a blend, like I said earlier, of like our own styles. Like mm-hmm. you and I have three adult children now. We can see clearly in them probably the them that God made them to be. And we're both now being able to see in all three of them, the part of them that's us. Yeah, (laughs) You know, like the kids are totally scared to do so many things because something might go wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's me. That's my little gift, parting gift of unhealth to Mm -hmm. them that they'll have to untangle in counseling someday, you know? And so we're seeing the them they had to become in our family. Like all of our kids have a lot of nine in them. That's the peacemaker. 
Matt and I both have very, very, very little nine. We right. are both more aggressive. We attack situations. Well, they're under our authority. So all of them, they'll, we, when we go big, they will shrink. Mm-hmm. Well, as they've grown into young adults, we've realized we don't, we don't want you to shrink. Yeah. We want you to feel safe with us. And we realized they didn't always feel safe with us because they didn't want to get in trouble. We're their authority. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to disappoint us. And so they, they've, they've reacted to our styles. Right. And so the way they present themselves has even changed. So it, it, we're all going to find maybe what our highest um, influence is. That's probably somewhere the way that you're just wired. Like I cannot go into any situation and not start assessing, or I I say guarding, like what's going to happen? What should I be prepared for? Are we covered? Do we have what we need? Like I, you, you won't think that Matt now go on a vacation. He'll throw one pair of board shorts (laughs) in the bag and we get there and he's like, Oh, we're here nine days. I probably, I probably should have packed some socks and underwear and a toothbrush. (laughs) And he's just like, couldn't wait to get to the beach. Um, but so I can't help but think like that. You, you have ways that's your first way of thinking. And so what we want is people to sort of start figuring out how did God make me? And for me, and you've heard me say this a lot, for me, the freedom that the Enneagram has given me personally is it's given me permission to actually mm-hmm. embrace and be the me that God made me to be because the world needs all the styles. Right. And um, the freedom comes in, stop, I, I have stopped exhausting myself trying to be the people, everyone around me and the way God's made them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not naturally ever, like you're always going to be out in the front pursuing things. You, you have a good degree of fearlessness. If and- you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. <laughs> See, and I'm like, I'll just stay back here, which you can't even. You don't even know what that means. It means you're staring I, at another dog's butt. I know. I, I know. I'm going to watch my mouth right now. <laughs> Please do. Jeez, potty mouth. My goodness. But, um, Very un- one of you. So. So there's that. We want people to to figure out that's probably where the most you that God made you, but you're probably influenced by a few things. A lot of Enneagram talk will be like, you're this one style. You mm-hmm. and I tend to disagree on that because I'm a 99.9 loyalist right. on there, but I'm a 98.9 helper. Yeah. And so to ignore how much influence I have mm-hmm. from helping people would would diminish a whole part of how God made me. Mm-hmm. So we tend to tell people, look at your top styles, look at look at your scores overall, because they sort of play together. Mm-hmm. So, okay, next question in sort of interpreting the Enneagram was we broke down the name. It just means nine styles on a graph written down to figure out how people connect with one another. Um, the Enneagram is broken into three different categories by the styles. So um, these are called the triads. Right. Do you want to explain what what the triads are? Yeah, so the triads are just the three underlying emotions. Um, so the eight, nine, one is the instinctual triad. Um, and what that means is eight, nines, and ones are driven by instinct. They don't, they don't think about things. Um, uh, it's really kind of the animalistic uh, part of who we are as human beings. Um, and so if they're, if they're not careful, they're going to live a life uh, where they're not thinking or feeling about how they're living. They're just, they're just doing it. And so. Um, and this have, is a lot of where that perceive and process right. comes in is, is very instinctual. Like, I don't know how I know. I just know. Right. So, so the eight, nine, one. So, you know, a lot of the, 
you know, the Enneagram is the devil. Those are instinctual ones. And so if it's not, if it's not the Bible, it's not for me, it's not for you. You know, they're the, they're the Jesus police, you know, um, making sure that everybody's, you know, I have a lot of one in me. Yeah, getting it right. I police you all the time. You know, the nines, the nines tend to instinctually see multiple points of view. So they're more drawn to it. And the eights, you know, couldn't be bothered because, you know, they don't want to be a part of this meeting and self-discovery mumbo jumbo (laughs) crap. So they kind of do their own thing, but they're just kind of, they're kind of instinctual. And, um, the problem with that is, is they become unaware of themselves and others and they can become very unaware of God. Mm. So they're just kind of asleep to themselves if they're not careful. And the underlying emotion of the eight, nine, one is anger. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so the eight is angry against, uh, the nine is passive aggressively unaware of their anger. And the one is legal, like legalistically angry. Mm-hmm. Like you broke mm-hmm. the law. Mm-hmm. So then the next, and we're we're gonna go through yeah. each week, each of these styles in more depth. Yeah. So if you're any of these styles that Matt's about to say, don't worry, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna get into that on the week that's dedicated to that style. Right. So then the next the next uh, triad is called the heart triad, and everybody's like, oh, I wish I was in the heart triad. Well, I'm so loving. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, um, but. It's really, really, instead of heart, you need to say emotional. So one is one is instinctual, the eight, nine, one, and the two, three, uh, fours are really emotionally driven. And uh, what they're what they're trying to cover is their shame. So the eight, nine, ones are, are driven by instinct. The the two, three, fours are driven by this 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 deep underlying emotion of something's not right with me. Mm-hmm. And so the twos try to cover that shame by serving others. The three tried to cover it by being successful. Uh, and the fours tried to cover it by being unique. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm super mm-hmm. special. And the problem is that nothing can cover your shame but Jesus. And so that's why it's so mm-hmm. important that we understand what is the underlying emotion. Um, and it's just, it's just you know, you, you can be just led by your emotions. And so you, you just have to say as a Christian, okay, I'm going to be led by my faith and not by these emotions mm-hmm. because we don't always feel God, but God is always there. Mm-hmm. And so we have to learn to navigate that. And then the last quadrant, so triad, I can't say quadrant, that's the wrong numerical <laughs> value. Uh, the last uh, um, triad is the five, six, seven, and it's the thinking triad. So the instinctuals, you know, they're just kind of, living through life on autopilot if they're not careful. The two, three, fours are stuck in their emotions and their heart and the five, six, sevens are in their head. So they're constantly stuck in their head, thinking about everything, analyzing everything. And, you know, their challenge is, is not connecting with their heart and not just kind of embracing life like the eight, mm-hmm. nine, one and saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm a human being and I'm going to walk through this. And they become very, very um, fearful. And so that's the, the five, six, sevens core underlying emotion is fear. and so. The five is afraid of not knowing enough or being competent enough. And so they're constantly trying to fill their heads with information. Mm-hmm. And again, only Jesus can take away your fear. The six is just constantly afraid, we're afraid of everything. afraid of everything. <laughs> yeah. So they're afraid of, of what could go wrong. You know, we're always two steps away from and everyone dies. We're all going to die. Uh, and you see that in our culture, you know, especially American culture. We're addicted to this idea of, you know, uh, I mean, I Newsweek magazine had a cover with the Delta variant and it said the doomsday variant and all the sixes are like, I knew this day would come, you know, I prepared for this my whole life. And it's just, it's just, it's just crazy that America is the most powerful country on earth and we're afraid of everyone and Mm -hmm. everything is because Mm -hmm. we have so many sixes. And then the seven is afraid of, of missing out on a good time. And so, um, they're constantly pursuing events and feelings and experiences because they're, they're afraid of what happens if I'm alone or I miss out or, you know, I don't do that. And so, 
um, they kind of, in the name of getting the most out of life, they don't get anything out of life and mm-hmm. they're just pursuing everything. And so, well, and I think when you break down that each of those three, like the motivation, the internal motivation, well, first of all, a lot of people maybe have never even thought about how I, how do I, mm-hmm. how do I first navigate what life is throwing at me and how I see the lens through which I look at the world and why it's important is because like, if you're in the feeling triad, you know, you might have all the feelings like we, you're in the feeling triad. We have a daughter in the feeling triad, which feelings, you know, are important and they matter. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're never connected to the facts, that's more in the head triad, you can really get down wrong road real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're only in the head triad and your mind will never stop thinking, you're really disconnected for, from how you might feel towards people or a a situation or how you're being treated or you really kind of compartmentalize when all of it matters. And then if you're in that instinctual thing, you know, you could be running over yourself, running over others, making decisions based on your gut. And it's important to also factor in the facts and information Mm, and also the relational and emotional consequences of things. So I think it's such a great tool for all of us to just go, hey, this is sort of where I start. So if I'm in one of the triads, I need to make a conscious effort and discipline to to ask myself the question, how do I feel about this? Right. Not just what do I think about Mm -hmm. this? Yeah. Or what do I want to do about this? You know, for people in the instinct, they're very do like what, what, you know, the, the heart triad is how do I feel? The head triad, how do I think? Mm -hmm. The instinct, what do I need to do? Sometimes you don't need to do any, there's nothing to be done Mm -hmm. except to feel or be informed. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of us need to go, hey, I'm going to predominantly present myself or, or sit in this one bucket way of thinking. I need to remember that's not the only part of the picture that I need to be considering. So that's the triads for everybody. Um, a couple more things. So some language you may hear. So there's going to be your style. And we would say your primary style or my second, which, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I'm primarily a sixth, the loyalist, or I also have a lot of helper. Your primary style is the achiever, a right. three. Is your secondary a seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a se- three, so seven. Seven. So like Matt and I have all three different numbers. Right. And initially I was like, great. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we, we're, we're incompatible. So here's the way that Matt and I have talked about this. And then you can elaborate on it is we think the Enneagram is a tool. We do not believe it's scripture. We do not believe it saves you for all eternity. It might save you here on earth though, from some relational dynamics. It can save you from a lot of pain and save you from yourself. But we do not think that, um, but what we do think is we want you to look at it as just a tool. It's not the only tool out there. There's a lot of tools, but it's a tool we found to be the most helpful for you to be real with yourself, God, and others. And so if you look at it as a tool, if Matt and I had the exact same number, so my top three numbers are six, two, and then one in that order. Yours are three, seven, and then eight, eight in yeah. that order. So if you think of all the tools that you want to have in a tool bag, if Matt and I were the same, if you were a six and I was a six and a six was a hammer, for example, Well, now if we put our, you know, we put the tools out on the table that we need to do a job, we have two hammers. Right. 
Well, you don't need to. What about the jobs that require a screwdriver or a yeah. nail or a level or a tape measure? You know, so the fact I I once looked at us and thought we're so different, we're incompatible. Mm-hmm. Now I look at us and say, I don't I don't have to have the tools you have because you've got them mm-hmm. and they're 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 for my good and my use and my benefit. So when we put our tools on the table, we have six different tools to utilize in our relationship. And that's what we want people throughout this series and as they're looking at it is going, you don't have to be the tools of, of your spouse or your kids or the people around you because all of us, every tool is kind of needed mm-hmm. to get this big job of life done. So what, what would you say about seeing it as a tool? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you take a, a chainsaw to fix your bedroom door, it's probably going to be a That's problem. That's probably a wrong tool. You know, uh, Chainsaw being Yeah, one of eight. my favorite scenes in uh, um, <laughs> Christmas Vacation is when uh, he fixes the Newell Post with the <laughs> chainsaw. And I know I just dated myself, but that may be hilarious for all time. Um and, and that's kind of the way it is. And especially like if you're an eight, nine, one, you know, you're a super powerful person. You bring a chainsaw to every party and you don't understand why everybody's bleeding. So uh, you, you've got to figure that out um, in the same way, you know, um, if you're, a, you know, two, three, four, you know, you can't just be like emotional about everything. And, and a lot of our culture is led by that. So um, I just think you need to, you just need to be self-aware and, the Enneagram, I think, is a great tool to help you to begin to figure out yourself. And so this is what I'd say to Christians, and so many Christians are against the Enneagram. And, you know, Jesus Christ saves you, but his saving work is not done. Mm. When you accept Christ into your heart, the saving work has just begun. And so many of us deny ourselves the joy of letting God continue to work on our hearts because we don't know where to invite him in. So one of my favorite um Verses in the Bible is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary mm. and heavy burdened. And so if you don't know that you're weary and you don't know that you're heavy burdened, what are you going to bring to Jesus? Like you're completely asleep to yourself. And what God is interested is in a relationship. So what that means is God's not just going to tell you all the things that need to change. Part of the way we change is when we, we become aware of, oh, this needs to change. Mm-hmm. So what many of us lack is understanding and motivation. And what the Enneagram can give you is understanding about yourself. And hopefully you're motivated because you're like, I want a better marriage. I want a better relationship with my kids. I want to understand God better. I want better friends. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. many people today are so lonely. And, um, you know, they, they've never done the work to say, okay, what, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What, what, what can I do in this? And again, I think the Enneagram is the best non-biblical tool and this is culture's biggest problem. Culture's biggest problem is we believe the problem's out there. Mm. The Enneagram will help you to see the problems in here. Mm-hmm. It will invite you to that. And so then, you know, when you come to the end of yourself, right, you become, you come to the beginning of Jesus and Jesus says, okay, you know, when you're ready to try to stop doing this, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to help you fix this. But, you know, Jesus Christ and, and, and God throughout the Bible only accepts the offerings we lay on the altar. And so the Enneagram is going to show me what, what needs to die. What is, the, what is the animal part of me? What is the emotional part of me? What is the, what is the thinking that I need to, to lay down on this altar so that God can, can continue to redeem it? And that's a lifelong process. And it's a beautiful thing. Or you can choose, like most Christians, and it's so sad, to just be asleep to yourself and to others and just kind of go through life like a robot. And I don't, I don't believe God created automatons. And if you don't know what that is, it's human robots. Um, I think that God actually created free thinking, feeling uh, beings that can interact with him 
uh, because he's God and he's not afraid of um, interacting with, with free spirits. You know, for a lot of Christians, they think God's playing chess and he's playing both sides. I think God always wins, but I think we're on the other side and we have to learn to move the pieces and, and, the, and what we have to learn to move is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, right, we're worried about every other piece on the board, uh, especially if you're one. I have a lot of one yes. in me. Be um, nice. One's my but, third but eye. We need to say, we need to say, okay, God, where do I need to move? And as a three, right, I want to move all the other pieces for success mm-hmm. rather than saying, okay, God, where do you want to move me? Um, oh, that's a you great, know, and saying, okay, what, what do you need that. to do with me so that I can be the best person that I could be? And I, and again, so, so many people, you know, they, they, they hit the Enneagram, but those people probably hate a lot of things. So, um, and, and, and maybe it's not for everybody. All I know is I love Jesus with all my heart. I believe that God's word is the inspired, uh, word of God. And I've dedicated my life to it. And God has used the Enneagram to help me understand his word and, and make it, make its way in my heart. So as a kid, one of the first Bible verses I, I memorized was, you know, I've hidden the Lord's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Mm-hmm. Where does God want his word in my heart? Well, if I don't understand my heart, how do I know, how do I know God's word's place in my heart? And so otherwise, I'll, if I don't know my heart that I've hidden his word in, all I've got is some scripture and I don't get how it connects to me. And I don't understand how it needs to encourage me. I don't get how it needs to challenge me. And I, unfortunately, I think what Christianity became was a lot of challenging others. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have these pastors that have these huge churches or ministries or platforms. And they're, they're the devil themselves. Well, so they or, lost themselves. or also that comes out just they have, they have a horrific personal oh, yeah. life because it's so categorized and they don't feel safe to be real. You know, I, I think the same thing is true. It's just that it's been such a great tool for me to, once I started understanding myself, I, I developed a new gratitude for God and how he made me. Instead mm-hmm. of being ashamed of everything I wasn't, I moved into gratitude of God, you made Mm. me this way and I need to steward that well, Mm -hmm. which means I have to look at the beauty it brings, but also the brokenness can incur of it. And so, um, and then me, me navigating and managing that, the me understanding myself and having a gratitude for God and believing and trusting Mm -hmm. that he made me this way has made me just better to others Mm -hmm. because I'm like, here's what I bring to the table. Here's what I can help with. I don't need to be all the things to all people. And I'm not hung up on everything I'm not, which makes me insecure and jealous and all of that kind of stuff. And so as the tool that it is, you know, it helps you look at, the downside of it. And when we go into each week on this podcast, we're going to look at the beauty and the brokenness. All right, you guys, we're going to put a pin in it right there. And we're going to continue this conversation on the Enneagram, helping you guys understand the basic language of it and why Matt and I feel like it's such a helpful tool to help us be real with ourselves, God, and others next week. Thanks for listening to the Cultivate Podcast. If you were encouraged by what you heard today, we kindly ask you to share this episode through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Then tell a friend. We'd love our conversation to help you start your own.
subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode, and leave a review. We love hearing what you think, and we know others will too. Cultivate Women exists to help women like you grow spiritually wise in a community of kindness. If you attend Sandals Church, join us as we live out what we're learning on the weekends by using our weekly reflection guide. This is written by women for women so that you can cultivate the truth of God's word into your life. Find it every Monday at cultivate.sc slash discussion. You can keep up to date on all things Cultivate by following Cultivate Women on Instagram and Facebook or by visiting our website at cultivate.sc. Because Cultivate is just one piece of the ministry at Sandals Church, be sure to find our current and archive sermons from Pastor Matt Brown at sandalschurch.tv or go to sandalschurch.com to visit a campus near you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Debrief podcast where Pastor Matt is giving real answers to tough questions from the Bible. Find it at debrief.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Friends, until we meet again, here or in person, remember, cultivate kindness. Kindness.